But she got so paranoid Her place I would avoid As in love with a girl of marijuana As in love with a girl on cocaine She had everything going but her brain We talk endlessly for hours But by morning it goes sour As in love with a girl on cocaine Through ecstasy, crystal meth and glue I found no drug compares to you All these pills, all this weed I don't know just what I need As in love with a girl on LSD She'd see things I'd never see She broadened her perspective Then I got more selective As in love with a girl on LSD Through ecstasy, crystal meth and glue I found no drug compares to you All these pills, all this weed I don't know what I need I was in love with a girl who drank beer Till bad breath and all she disappeared She was blowing up real bad But when she left I was still sad I was in love with a girl who drank beer in love with a girl on China Way We were married for a year one night Her memory still lingers Cause I burned all my fingers As in love with a girl on China Way As in love with a girl who drank coffee There's times when I couldn't keep her off me That caffeine got her going But her ugly side was showing As in love with a girl who drank coffee As in love with a girl who was a dealer I was afraid somebody'd come and steal her We never used to fight But the phone rang day and night I was in love with a girl who was a dealer Sure as hell, she got popped by the big guys No, I'm just getting warmed up Happy to see you again Don't be nervous, don't be rocky You're a teenage guest is jockey now And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful... Did that boy 
heard it all before It's like deja vu all over again It is Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023, and you are at JC on the Line. Dot com. If you're listening today, because we do have people who binge listen on the weekend, so obviously this doesn't apply, but they're talking about one to two inches of rain today, which is going to flood the usual areas that get flooding. And also they're talking about severe weather tonight. If you got tickets to the ball game tonight, I would chew them up and swallow them because can't see any way they're going to play this game because they're talking about heavy rain again tonight and into tomorrow. I want to get a plug-in for something new that is going to start on Sunday morning, and it is on the radio station KWOLF 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7, as we say, west and beyond, or you can just stream it at kwolf.com, kwulf.com, and you'll get it. But on Sunday mornings from 9 to 11, we're doing the oldie show again. JC's Roots of Rock Sunday show is coming back. Two solid hours of great music from the 60s and 70s and 80s. It is interesting as we sit here trying to figure out what is an oldie. I'll give you an example. Jump by Van Halen came out in 1983. That was 40 years ago. Now, when we were all watching the TV show Happy Days back in the mid-1970s, they were reminiscing about life in the 50s, and that was only 20 years prior to that time period. We're talking about 40 years ago for Jump. So needless to say, when we go back to the 60s and 70s and you know start playing old Yardbirds and Beatles and Stones and Al Green, because we do get, we do get a lot of uh, R&B and Top 40 and all that sort of stuff in the show. It's just a great time, and it's all brought to you by Weber Chevrolet. And again, that is the J.C. Corcoran Roots of Rock Sunday show making its reappearance this Sunday morning from 9 to 11 on K-Wolf. Now... To the business at hand, I talked about today's podcast on the radio show this morning, an inordinate amount of time for reasons that will become obvious here in the next couple of minutes. This is probably the weirdest podcast in terms of intensity that I've done in probably six or seven years. And I, and I remember which podcast I'm talking about, too. There's no point in reopening an old wound, but I remember it. And I don't know if this is therapeutic for me to talk about this or just as a cautionary tale because when i go out into the world and i have problems i think to myself i wonder how many other people are like me who've had to deal with stupid shit like this it's been a very long time since i've had a kitten in the house the cats that i had to put down earlier this year about four months apart as a matter of fact one was 17 and the other one was 16 so it's been a long time since i've been shopping for a cat and that was the case over the weekend on saturday morning i went out nice and early and i figured okay and by the way before i start to tell the story i really have to resist the urge to just put about 50 pictures of this cat up every single day i got him on saturday and he's the cutest thing i have ever seen and i gotta call the vet today because well, first of all, when you get a new animal, first thing you should do is take him to your own vet, give him the once over. So I have to do that anyhow. But the other thing is the people where I got him said, you know, he gets about a quarter can of canned food once a day and then dry food the rest of the day. I'm like, okay, fine. I can do that. So I've been doing that. Well, yesterday he finished the quarter can and it was like he had a vacuum cleaner attachment on the front of his face. It was gone in a couple of seconds. And he was sort of looking up at me like, where's the rest? And I'm thinking, 
I don't know, the people where I got you said a quarter can. So just for the hell of it, he had his dry food all day. But yesterday evening, I figured I'm going to put a half a can out there and just see what happens. And he inhaled it again. The only problem is I don't know if that's good for him. I don't know if it's good for I've I've always thought that if an animal wants to eat, let it eat. And if it wants to eat a half a can of food, let it eat a half a can. But as I've been thinking about it, it's like that might not be best for him. So I got to talk to the vet later on today. Anyhow, the thing was 3.6 pounds when I picked him up on Saturday. 3.6. He feels like picking up a squirrel. Back to the story, I head out nice and early on Saturday and I figured, well, you know, at PetSmart where we buy everything for our cats and our dog and i've been doing that for years by the way you know and i'm proud to say we spoil our animals they pretty much sleep with either me or my daughter all the time they're always getting baths and toys and special food if they need it and you know we're always taking pictures of them and dressing them up and stuff and they're so much a part of the family we do everything but have them written into the will and it's nice to know that you guys pick up on this too and my friends too the lovely Lori mack sent me a note the other day she actually put up but i put up a picture of the cat when we picked him up on saturday she's like rumor which is the cat's name rumor you have no idea the extent to which you hit the jackpot and how much you're going to be loved and I sent her a note back because that was like one of the nicest things that anybody can say about you. I think people who are not nice to animals, well, they're certainly not worth my time. Let's just leave it at that. Anyhow, every sa- if you're in there on a Saturday, you know, especially in the morning, they have the pet adoptions. They have little puppies and they got little kitty cats. And sometimes it used to be a lot more fun because you could go there just to play with them. And a couple of years ago, they stopped allowing you to do that. You can't go in on Saturday and just play with the animals. They won't even let you near the area with the cages. Or in some cases, they have like a little cordoned off area and the animals can run around. They can't jump high enough to get over the little wall. And it used to be you could go in there and just play with them. And a couple of years ago, they said, "Uh uh-uh, not anymore. As a matter of fact, now what you have to do is you have to fill out a two-page form before they'll even let you in the area. And I was thinking to myself, that's maybe not such a good idea. If, in fact, your job is to try to get as many animals adopted as possible, well, then putting up any sort of a barrier, any sort of a roadblock, like a two-page form, and the inability to just go in and play with them. There are people who do buy things on impulse, and they might go into the Pet Smart for a bag of dog food. But then they start playing with the kittens, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Sparky would love to have a little companion. Why don't we get this kitten taken home? So there is such a thing as impulse purchases, and in this case, impulse adoptions. So I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I like this idea about the form and the whole idea of you can't just go in there and play anymore. But those are the rules, so that's the way it goes. So I go in with the clear intent to get one of these cats, and I had one particular picked out that seemed to be the one that I was going to get. And I just filled out the form, and I thought some of the questions were a little invasive. For example, if you are renting as opposed to owning a house, they want the name of the landlord and the landlord's phone number. And you know, you know, think about landlords, usually most of them are managing about 100, 200 properties. And the last thing they need is a call from a pet store asking some questions. Anyway, I just skipped over that for obvious reasons. So fill out the form, 
Got the cat picked out. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I don't know the history on this cat. Sometimes uh, some of the places they'll actually tell you the history of the cat, where it came from, how old it is, you know, what what the estimated birth date was. They give you the weight and all, just all these little stats and things. The really good places do that. The woman, well, I'm thinking to myself, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, you're gonna get some litter, gotta get some food. And the woman, elderly lady, says to me, "We uh, we can't let you adopt this cat." And I said, why not? She said, well, you filled out your form and there was a question there that said, do you plan to have your cat declawed? And you said, yes. And I said, yeah, all the cats I've ever had. I've had nine cats in my lifetime and they've all been declawed, except we did have two cats that were outdoor cats when I lived in Chicago. And, you know, we know better than to declaw an animal that's going to be outside because it can't defend itself, can't run up a tree, can't get away, stuff like that. Can't give another animal a good swat with its nails out and let them know that the cat means business. So I said, yeah, other than that, yeah, we've always declawed our cats. And she says, yeah, that's against our policy and we can't let you adopt. And I said, I was just sort of standing with my mouth open like, you're kidding, right? She said, no, that's been our policy for a while. I said, well, I'm unaware of policies because I haven't had a shop for a cat for almost 20 years. When did this change? Oh, it's been a couple of years now and lots of states are making it illegal to declaw your cat. And then she said, I, I have to take care of somebody else. And then she walked away from me. And while she had walked away, I Googled how many states have laws making it illegal to declaw a cat and it's two maryland and new york so that was sort of like misrepresentation number one a lot of states no two so now she comes back over and i say well um if that's the policy well then uh we won't have the cat to clod and she said no i can't adopt to you i said why not now she said because you filled out the form and you said that you were going to have the cat to Claude. I go, yeah, that's before you told me all this stuff. And I didn't know that this is uh, some sort of a trend. And by the way, I Googled your uh, claim that lots of states are enacting these laws and it's only two. And she sort of looked at me like, you son of a bitch. She got really mad when I said that. And I'm thinking to myself, all I did was try to confirm the claim you made and the claim you made turned out to be false. People don't like being caught lying. And this lady, even though she was older, she got pissed. So I figured, okay, fine, whatever. And on the way out, I see right by the front door at this PetSmart, there is a cat room and it's behind glass. It's got a door and the whole thing. And I remember a couple of years back when Francesca was really little, they used to let us in the cat room and we would play with the cats. But as you know, as I already pointed out, they took the fun out of it now just going to the pet store on Saturday with a little kid and letting them play with the animals. They don't let you do that anymore. So I came over and there's another woman and she's guarding the door. And I figured, well, I don't know. I'll try to reason with her. And I told her the whole story. I said, we were just over there trying to adopt a cat. I told you the whole thing, just everything that I just told you, I told her. And she said, yeah, yeah, you can't adopt. I'm like, is your job to get animals adopted in this place is that why you're here yes she says and i said to her and don't you think that what you did to me and what i'm sure you've done to, it was a setup and i said to her don't you think this policy is going to cut into the whole idea of getting pets adopted if you sort of set people up tell them they can't adopt it only stands to reason that the number of animals that you get adopted 
is going to dwindle. And she goes, no, I don't think so. I was like, well, how then? How is that a logical statement that you can make? How is that logical? If you're throwing roadblocks into people's ability to adopt, that's going to cut down on the adoptions, right? No, not really. Well, then, oh, they give you a form asking if you're going to have the cat to Claude. If you say yes, now you've got like a scarlet letter on you. And it's like, and I explained the whole thing. It's like when I tried to tell her that, okay, I was unaware of this new policy. We won't have the cat to Claude. She says, yeah, but you already filled out the form, right? I said, yeah. And she said, you filled out that you're going to have the cat to Claude. And I said, yeah, but give me the form back and I'll scratch that out and say no. And she said, no, I can't do that. I can't adopt to you. And then she reaches over, pushes the door closed and locks locks it like i'm going to try a cat napping like i'm just gonna bust through the door grab a cat and then go run out in the parking lot and the drama at this point was getting absolutely ridiculous now now i'm getting mad i was not yelling not raising my voice nothing like that but we were having an argument no question about it now she yells somebody else in the store get the manager I'm like, good. I would like to see the manager on this. Manager comes over, a woman about 45. I start trying to explain the story. She doesn't want to hear it. And she starts getting snippy with me. I know about you already. I'm like, what? You know what I've told you. I've had nine cats in my life, and they have all been treated like, you know, little princesses. We've given them good homes. I should be, in your eyes, I should be your friend. I should be one of the best friends you ever had because I like to think of myself a little bit as a as a uh, cat advocate. There's a lot of men who don't think that men who have cats are real men. You got to have a pit bull. No, no, you can have a cat, still be a man. And at this point I'm just saying to her, I don't understand this. It it seems like a setup. You, you ask somebody if you're going to have the cat to Claude, they say yes. I haven't been shopping for a cat for almost 20 years. The policy apparently has changed. But now, what are you telling me? That I go through the rest of my life not being able to own a cat because I filled out a form that, that was basically a setup? What are you guys running here? And now she just turns and walks away, and I follow her. Stop harassing me. I'm like, I'm not harassing you. You're the manager. We're having a discussion. Yes, it's an argument. There's no harassment. See, and this is one of those things that, you know, and I've only touched on it a couple of times before. And when I have, I've had women crawling halfway up my ass telling me what a monster I am. And this is basically my position on this. And I think it was exemplified again over the weekend. And that is, there are some women, and and please, underline in red twice and boldface the word some some women, although I would uh, characterize it as a, an increasing number of women who, when a man gets into an argument with them, they pull out the harassment and misogyny card. It's like, wait a minute, just because you're a woman, I get into an argument with you. Now I'm a woman hater. Are you nuts? There was an old Ryan O'Neill, Barbara Streisand movie. I think it was called, yeah, it was the main event. And she's like, you hate women. And he's like, I don't hate women. I hate you. That line was playing back in my head. I should have used it, but couldn't think of it fast enough. So anyhow, she she walks in, closes her door and locks her door and stands with her hands on her hips looking at me like, ha ha, you can't get me. I thought they were going to call the police on me over a fucking kitten.
So then I drive around for a little while, I come back home, have something to drink, rest for a little while, try to shake the whole thing off, and I start looking up other places where you can adopt a cat that's sort of close to where I live. And I find some sort of a cat rescue place that's only about five minutes away from my house. So I hop in the car, I go to this place, I walk in, and I make a huge mistake. A huge mistake. I tell them the story of what just happened at PetSmart. And wouldn't you know the luck, this is the organization that supplies the cats to PetSmart on Saturday mornings. So now I'm 0 for 2. Except that this time, the woman comes out and she uses the term misogyny. I'm not going to take any more of your misogyny. Here we go again. You get into an argument with a woman and right away you're guilty of misogyny as opposed to we're having a disagreement. If we're not talking about cats and the adoption policies and what PetSmart did and all that sort of stuff, I might really dig you. You might be a really nice person. I, I don't know that. And you don't know anything about me. What a horrible thing to accuse somebody of. And again, she walks over to the door, opens it up, and points like, get out. And I'm not like, you know, some raving madman. I'm not a violent person or anything like that. But this was really ridiculous. So now I do what I thought I probably should have done in the first place. I find the Humane Society. I go into the Humane Society. The people could not have been nicer. And I was in and out of that place in a half an hour. They were cooperative. They were just helpful, answered all the questions, gave me a whole little brochure about Rumor. It's the name of the cat. Uh, about Rumor. About It turns out he was, he was found on the side of a highway. And he's only three and a half months. He weighs three and a half pounds. Although the way he's been eaten here the last two days, I'm going to get him on the scale here because I think it's going to be one of those things with this cat is going to double its weight in about two weeks. But there's a couple of problems here. There's a couple of problems. One of them has to do with the PetSmart policy. I wonder if the corporate people, well, they're going to find out because I'm sending a letter. But, you know, up until that point, I wonder if they know just exactly how these policies that they have about not declining cats are being implemented. And the way people who fill out the form the quote unquote wrong way, I haven't tried to get a cat in almost 20 years. How the hell do I know that the policy has changed about declawing cats? And why, when you say to them, oh, I didn't know. Okay, we won't get the cat declawed then. Oh, no, no, you already filled out the form the wrong way. What the fuck is that? So that's problem number one. Problem number two is this idea. And again, I have been hesitant to bring this up because this happened on Saturday and this is Wednesday and it took me this long to realize now I got to talk about this and let the pieces fall where they may and I guarantee you I guarantee you that there's going to be some women who are going to hear this and tell me that I am completely wrong totally out of line and then they'll start calling me names and telling me what an awful person I am and to that group let me strike a preemptive blow your job is to go to PetSmart on saturdays and try to get pets adopted this is not the way to do it number two bad policy on the form if you're going to do something on the form you write our policy has changed in recent years and we don't allow adoptions anymore for anybody who's going to declaw their animals now here's the question do it that way you go oh 
the policy has changed. They don't want you to decline cats anymore. Okay, we won't do it. They do that, and none of this happens. None of it happens. No, 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 that's not good enough for them. They got to start calling me names, and about the worst name that a woman can call a man, a misogynist, or accuse them of harassing them. All's well that ends well. I feel sorry for the animals that did not get adopted from PetSmart on Saturday. I'm very, very happy with Rumor. He's such a cute little guy. He's curled up right behind me here, sleeping on a little blue blanket. He's the cutest thing I've ever seen. I put a picture up on my Facebook page yesterday, the showgram with J.C. Corcoran, if you want to see him. And this won't be the last picture I put up of him. So cute. By the way, my daughter got to name him. And, you know, we had one cat named Victor. And Victor was named after a character in The Nightmare Before Christmas, the Tim Burton movie. And my daughter, Addison, who was about Francesca's age then, she got to name him. And then Louie, our other cat, was named by my wife after somebody who was in their family who she really loved. And uh, my daughter right now is absolutely Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac crazy. She's in her room right now. I can hear it coming from under the door. She's watching the uh, the video from the dance. And in fact, you know, one of, uh, I think it was Bruce Willis and Demi Moore's first daughter was named Rumor. They spelled it different, but the idea is there. And so Rumor as in Rumors, as in Fleetwood Mac. And so that's where the name comes from. So anyhow, I'm in the process of putting, I got to write two snotty letters this week. And one of them is going to PetSmart because I doubt seriously that they know the ramifications of what happens if you put incompetent people into a position where a new policy like this has to be implemented and they do it the wrong way. They do it in such a way that keeps animals from getting adopted, which is why they're there in the fucking first place. And needless to say, I'll be buying all of my pet supplies from a different pet store. You didn't just lose me as a customer. You lost me as a supporter. As long as we are airing grievances, let's get this one out of the way too and just get them both out of the way on the same podcast. For those of you who don't know who Beetle Bob was, he's a 70-year-old guy who for, I don't know, about the last 35 years has showed up at concerts and shows primarily, you know, concerts in the U-City Loop and just all the shows that they have there. And he jumps up on stage and he dances off on the side of the stage. And he's got a Beatles haircut, and I, I, past tense here, had a Beatles haircut and used to wear almost like those suits that the Beatles wore, you know, without lapels. And for apparently a much larger percentage of the population than I was aware of, people just thought that, uh, you know, oh, look at that. Isn't that cute? Look at that, how fun that is, how unique to St. Louis that we got this guy who jumps up on stage and dances along with the band. How fun. Well, when he died last week, I started seeing all these heartfelt eulogies. But the problem is, if you work in media, public relations, anything that has to do with the concert venues, and this isn't just in New City, this is all over. If you work in one of those positions, you knew a completely different Beatle Bob. Well, who you knew was a giant mooch and it was worse than that because there's a lot of mooches out there but this guy i'm not sure he ever paid for a ticket in his life and the way he did it was that he lied about what he did i, I think somebody said he worked at the post office for a while but he was telling people lies i'm uh, the program director at kdhx i run ksd i write for st louis magazine none of these things are true none 
But there's a lot of turnover in these uh, public relations positions and concert venues and stuff like that. And so, you know, he was just sort of hoping that somebody would believe him and say, oh, of course, we'll comp your ticket, uh, you know, be there at eight o'clock, you know, have a, have a great time. And of course, then they wait for an article or a review or a story about the show. And it never happens because this guy's been making the whole thing up. He doesn't have any of these jobs. And it's worse than that. He almost lived the last couple of years without a fucking head because I almost knocked it off his shoulders at the Carol King show. Beautiful. The venues have a tendency to put all of the comps in one section and all the media people in one section. And so we're sitting there enjoying the show at about 20 minutes into the show. In walks Beetle Bob, sits down in a chair one over from me, along with some other guy. And these two talked through the whole show and i'm not talking whispering once in a while i'm talking about yeah so i told shirley that uh you know if uh, that doesn't change by front and i'm looking over now most people get the idea at a concert you know how it is somebody is just yakking and yakking and yakking and you want to say how much did you pay for these tickets you know you're paying sometimes 300 bucks or more for a concert ticket and then you get somebody behind you who i don't know what they're thinking but they seem to be unaware of the fact that there's a show going on on stage and that maybe the people who paid all of this money would like to see it and like to hear it and can't do that because you won't shut the fuck up so i almost i i'm not a violent man but i came this close i'm telling you i i came this close you think that's the end on this guy no it's not he's also a kleptomaniac I was in World News in Clayton a couple of years back, and I saw him physically removed from the place because they didn't they didn't see him come in. And so many of the shops and businesses in Clayton and New City won't even allow him the front door because they know if they do, something's going to end up missing. Something that I did not know, and I just found out about this over the course of the last day or two, apparently he was kicked out of Cicero's many times at a couple of other uh, concert venues because he used to like to steal equipment from the band. I don't know what he was going to do with it. He was going to just pawn it, or I don't know, if he had a wall full of stolen stuff. I mean, who knows? But, you know, the drummer comes in, and you know, his cymbals are gone. And, and again, uh, a woman who worked at Cicero specifically told me, gave me a lot of detail about it too, including names. She's not making it up. And she, nobody has to make anything up on this guy because we already have known for years that this is what this guy is all about. So to review, you got a guy who got into concerts and shows and all sorts of events and venues and things like that by lying about who he was and what he did because what he did and who he was was a big zero. And he did it for decades. And on top of it, he was a liar. And on top of it, he would come into the shows and wouldn't shut the fuck up. And on top of that, what's all that about anyhow? You jump on stage and start dancing. Are you part of the show? No. People on stage are part of the show. It's sort of like somebody who runs out onto a baseball field. Or these fathers who you know, are at a high school or middle school wrestling tournament and their son is being pinned and the father comes jumping out of the stands, runs down onto the mat and throws the kid off his son. Or like I said, people who run out onto a baseball field during the game. It's the same thing. If you're not on the team, in the case of a sports venue, if you're not one of the athletes competing, and similarly, if you're not in the band or part of the show, what the fuck are you doing on stage? 
if I got up out of my seat and just went up there and said, I would like to dance up on stage here, you know what they would tell me? They told me to go pound sand. So why is, why is he up there? And the whole thing is exacerbated by the fact that the Riverfront Times, not my favorite bunch of people, you know, and it's too bad, too, because I really do believe that every major American city should have some sort of alternative newspaper. And the Riverfront Times could have been that all these years and instead they're a bunch of mealy mouth little fucks who i cannot stand and there's a bunch of liars who work there too and have always i don't know they've always had a staff full of people who are just annoying and for years they've been doing stories about this guy about this amazingly colorful local celebrity beetle bob who makes st louis so unique and when he died last week they started with all this st louis will never be the same it's like really really now Really, Beetle Bob died, so now St. Louis won't ever be the same. You wouldn't want to exaggerate your claim at all, would you? So this guy dies last week, and the word starts to travel very quickly, and I'm getting sick to my stomach. I thought I was going to puke reading some of the stuff written about what a wonderful guy this is, and it's like, you people don't have any idea what you're talking about. You're eulogizing this guy like, again... The, the, like the RF2, just probably, and Don Pertzborn is always doing stories on Beetle Bob and just all that sort of stuff. Whenever one of these crampy morning TV shows, you know, has a hole to fill, it's like, oh, go get Ron Ells, Johnny Rabbit, or go get Beetle Bob. Laura Hedegar's on it. And you just watch this stuff and you think to yourself, these are television reporters, people who are supposed to know things and then relay it to the public. And if they've got something like this so completely wrong, what else do you think when it comes to news? What else do you think that you're being told that's probably completely out of whack because they don't understand the dynamic of the full story? So on Friday afternoon, I put up a, a brief commentary, I don't know, 15, 20 lines that basically itemize some of these things that I just told you right now, but just in a very, very condensed form. And you guessed it, people started attacking me. Kill the messenger. Like, I didn't do anything to you. you do you want to know what's going on? Or do you not want to know what's going on? There's a million places that you can go on television in St. Louis and on radio in St. Louis and in newspapers where people will tell you how wonderful everything is in St. Louis. And then there's people like me who for almost four decades have been telling you the truth about stuff. If I know something, I see it as my job to let you know. Then you decide, but don't attack me. What are you attacking me for? And again, in almost every case, because I, I attempted to engage with some of them. Go, what are you yelling at me for? Do you know the guy? No. Well, then why are you assuming what I just said is wrong and you're taking the side of Beetle Bob instead of me? I'm telling you the truth. I don't get it. Oh, you're this and you're that. I'm like, fine, fine, you leave me alone. But the, the amazingly hostile, antagonistic, threatening, violent messages that i was getting on social media and via email was astonishing i'm still getting them part of the problem was apparently he had uh beetle bomb had als for the last couple of years of his life and people were like that's just disgusting that you would attack a man with als i'm like i didn't attack a man with als that's not what it was about go back and read what i wrote what i wrote was that there's a lot of dumb people in st louis who are eulogizing this guy as some sort of national tre or regional treasure and he wasn't he was a con man 
a mooch and a liar and a thief. And it's not just me who knew it. All of us in media, all of us in public relations, all the venues, all the people who control the distribution of tickets for all the venues, all of, everybody knew about this guy. But you're going to attack me and defend him knowing absolutely nothing. I'm like, I, ALS is a terrible disease. I'm sorry that anybody dies from it. That's not what my commentary was about. My commentary was about what a dick he was while he was alive and healthy. And and this this development here, I, and I'm burning a bridge here, and it's too bad. I'll explain here in a minute. But I can't write comedy this well. This next part of the story, I, I my my imagination is not fertile enough to have been able to come up with this angle on the story. One of the snotty comments I got on my Facebook page on Friday night was from a guy who I knew, oh gosh, what, 93, 94. He was in charge of Sen, no, it wasn't Sencom Cable. What was it? It was, wasn't Charter yet. I don't know, whatever the cable company was back in the early and mid-90s. And they had their uh, their offices and studios up, uh, it was in that industrial park over, what was it, Woodson Terrace maybe, I'm thinking. And occasionally we would do stuff with the cable company, with the, you know, the local origination station, and we would deal with this guy, and he was fine. So I, I really haven't heard from this guy in 35 years, and he writes... On my comments page under this story, you need to cool it with this stuff. This is totally out of line. I forget what I, what else he said, but I still remember the, the phrase. You got to cool it with all this. The guy had ALS. He died. This isn't funny. And I'm thinking to myself, eh, nice to see that you've stayed in touch all these years. You know who he is? Like I said, I can't write comedy like this. You know who the guy was? You know the comedian, Nikki Glaser, the woman whose comedy act, while absolutely hilarious and i've been a big fan for a long time even before a lot of people knew who she was but she's from kirkwood and she's hit it big on the comedy circuit and the way she's done it is by incorporating every bodily fluid every sexual act every bodily secretion every perverted or at least questionable sexual act that's ever been invented like i said very very funny but like the sleaziest person on stage these days it's her father. Her Nikki Glazer's father is taking me to task over comments about some fucking idiot who liked to jump on stage during concerts. This guy, of all people, I got to tell you, that's rich. So every once in a while, people will say, "Why did you? Why did you move out of St. Louis?" Well, there's a lot of reasons. Number one, I don't like cold weather. I've just reached a point in my life where I don't want to live in the cold. I also always wanted to live in Florida. I was never able to. But in addition to all that, I was really getting tired of the St. Louis mentality. Not for everybody. St. Louis is a great place, and I lived there for 36 years. Still have tremendous friends there. I still love coming back. I was just back for almost a month. But now it's possible to have the best of both worlds. And and almost nobody is doing radio shows from radio studios anymore. Half the stuff you're hearing isn't even coming from St. Louis anyhow. They just don't, uh, you know, they lie to you through omission. I at least am straight with you. It's like, yeah, sometimes I'm in St. Louis, sometimes I'm in Florida. These people come on the air and they never even say, oh, by the way, I'm broadcasting from my basement in San Francisco. They just don't bring it up. And there's a lot of that stuff. 
So I always tell people, if I had a laptop and an internet connection, I could do the show from Mars. It's all different now with the technology that's available, and you don't need to be... In a, there was a, 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 there's a broadcast group in St. Louis that owns six radio stations, and they just downsized from something like 30,000 square feet to 5,000 square feet. Why? Because nobody comes into work anymore. Everybody has little studios with a little microphone, a little mixing board, and an internet connection, and you hook it all up, and you punch the button, and you go on the air, and nobody nobody is any the wiser to the fact that you're not doing the show from a radio studio. So what does it matter if it's Chesterfield or it's Clearwater, Florida? I don't think it matters. Like I said, I, I have the TV stations from St. Louis on all the time. I'm always listening to St. Louis radio. I'm always reading the paper. I'm always talking to my friends. I know what's going on in St. Louis better than people who live there 12 months out of the year. And you know how I can prove that? You know how many stories just in the last two years that I've broken? I'm the first person to report half the stuff that goes on in St. Louis, you know, when big stories take place. If I gave you the names of people who write stories for magazines and newspapers in St. Louis and people who are on radio and TV that call me and say, hey, uh, do you know anything about such and such? I'm sitting 853 miles away. They call me because they know I'm so well connected. This is not something that happened overnight. I've been working on it for almost four decades. I know what's going on. I know where the bodies are buried. So it, it doesn't, it just doesn't matter anymore, but it allows me to have the best of both worlds. I can maintain, you know, my, uh, fan base, I guess you would say, I don't like the, I don't like that term. Just the people who listen fan base. Eh, you're one of the people who listen to me on, a, on an occasional basis. You guys, you guys know what's going on. You guys are smart. All the dumb people left a long time ago. All right, that's it. The podcast for Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023 is in the can. And if you've ever had it in the can, you know how painful that can be. But I digress. We publish the podcast at 11 o'clock Monday through Thursday here at jconthewine.com. Please do your best if you can to spread the word. Let us know what you think and let other people know what you think too because word of mouth, obviously, the best thing that you can have. You can also email me anytime, jc at jconthewine.com. Facebook, the showgram with JC Corp. And of course, every morning on K-Wolf at 101.5 St. Louis and still 101.7 West and beyond, streaming at KWULF.com. Have a great day. Do your best. Stay dry. And in the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.